All right, welcome everybody to this episode of Breaking Absolutes. Um, this is different this time. I, I've not done this before. A um, little bit about the channel before I get into uh, today's topic. Um, my whole thing is, as many of the people who listen to the show and are friends of mine, is I feel very passionately about the genre. I think it's um, stereotyped and marginalized too often. And so uh, from my corner of the world, I'm doing what I can to talk about it in a way that's um, hopefully less conventional um, in an effort to try and kind of help people see more of the value that me and all my friends and many of you see. Um, so usually I'm talking to artists and sometimes to producers and to uh, even anthropologists who study uh, metal and rock. Um, but today I actually want to spend some time going through a record. There's a new Dream Theater record out. Um, many of you probably know this and have heard it. Um, and I've, uh, I'm not really a reaction person, uh, and certainly with Dream Theater, uh, I'm not going to just do a bunch of jaw-dropping. Um, Dream Theater fans are used to the technical facility of the band and uh, the composition, but um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to go through the new effort and just have a conversation about it, um, about the, the things I hear, the things I think are really interesting. Um, folks, feel free to join in on the chat. Um, and uh, I want to go through and have an honest reaction to this, not as a way of trying to um, um, sensationalize it or, or feel like I'm, I'm being overpowered or wowed by it, but to kind of talk about the things I hear um, in the music. And knowing the band as well as I do, um, not just as a listener, but having had, fortunate enough to having had the opportunity to meet the guys and work with them, um, kind of try and bring some context to some of what I think that this effort may be, uh, may be doing. So I guess it's a reaction of a sort, but, um, you know, as is typical of, of me, I, I just don't want to kind of do it the way, um, everybody does. Um, I just do a lot of mugging for the camera. So, uh, with that, let's look at a view from the top of the world. Um, Dream Theater's 15th studio album, uh, uh, their first uh, record in the new Dream Theater HQ. It's got some of the new people that are part of their, their nucleus, um, the Dream Theater family, um, like Jimmy, uh, Jimmy T, who's uh, their engineer. Um, and, and I'm also going to look at some of the lyrical content um, to examine what I think the storytelling may be doing uh, and how I hear this with reference to the rest of um, the catalog. Um, so with that, let's look at the very first track, um, which is The Alien. This was one of the singles, of course. Uh, so everybody who's a Dream Theater fan has heard this. If you haven't, give this a listen. Um, I'm going to do a lot of starting and stopping because this isn't a listening party. The point is not to just have you listen through to the track. Um, so I'll do a lot of pausing and we'll go in and out. Um, let me move over to um, the, the setup I've got for this. And we'll show the Dream Theater uh, cover there, you can see, and we can talk more about that later. But let's start the first track, The Alien.
So frenetic pace right out of the gate. Um, I, I what I'm really loving so far is um, the the sound patches or the the VIRs that um, um, Jordan has cho- is choosing here. There's a for me there's a little bit of a retro flavor on these. Um, the and he's not always just finding the musical figures with the rest of the group. Um, he's finding some sort of audio bed there against which the the pace. Uh, and the rhythms are playing. I think it's a really cool uh, and obviously kind of a declarative start to the whole record um, that this is going to be um, an album that kind of pushes. We know this not just because I'm listening to it now. Um, we know it because the guys have talked about this some. Um, and let me just say this. It's it's uh, Dream Theater um, has said this many times. And, and John and I have had this conversation because of all the work I did with him on The Astonishing. Um, and that is, you you know, they put their best foot forward. Um, and most, I think most bands try to do that. I think some maybe get into a, a rhythm of the kind of thing they just want to replicate because they know their fans love it. Dream Theater, um, I think, is always reaching. And so in, in trying to do something new while still maintaining at its core what Dream Theater is, and there have been a couple of departures there we know about where there's been influence outside the band, like, falling into infinity that has had some sonic consequence to the record. But mostly that's not the case with Dream Theater. Um, but nevertheless, the, the fans always have a really interesting reaction. And it's all reactions are legitimate. Um, um, but sometimes it's not what the, the band or, or others might think it might be, um, just because you get invested in the thing you do. And so um, that's a, it's the same thing with this particular record. There's been um, folks who are... Um, uh, hearing things that they are loving, and there's other fans that have some critique. Um, but for me, what I'm hearing so far is um, what we've heard them talk about a little bit, which is, you know, they're going to push. They're pushing themselves. Um, you know, these guys in their 50s, um, there's musicians half their age that don't, um, that aren't working as hard to stretch. And I think that that's, um, we've come to expect that from them, but the fact that they continue to deliver on that is exceptional. This is a stylistically we've heard this from Dream Theater before, but we love it. They, you know, they'll come out of a frenetic intro like that, and then they, you know, they drop into John, um, just really, really heavy, crunchy tone, and begin to set the stage and tension for. Usually, not always, but usually they'll come in with a a verse that will begin to relieve some of that tension and begin the narrative of the song. Um, <laughs> So some interplay there between some of the musical figures that most of the band is catching um, and and the chunk. Okay, so I've talked about this with John. One of the interesting things um, 
that and and I think powerfully like complimentary things about John is he has found a signature solo and it's not I mean he can do the things on the fretboard that um, amaze us and there's frankly there's a lot of guys that can do that I would I would argue that the distinction with John is he can do all of that but always uh, as though he's he's delivering a musical phrase um, it's not just a, a grouping or uh, a, an arpeggiation that um, uh, a guitarist will learn and then can you know flash John always does that um, with melody uh, and I think it's one of the things that dis- distinguishes him from a lot of the other shredders and guitar heroes. But beyond that, and he gets into this um, this signature um, kind of soloing he does that has this languor to me. It's this this um, this sense of remembrance of um, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but there's a bit of a dreamy quality to it. Um, it, it causes you to feel nostalgic, um, which is a very powerful emotion. And I think this is a big part of some of John's best solos, not always the ripping stuff. And this this very first sort of solo line, um, and for me, calls back to some of the the great melodies that uh, already that I'm hearing from things like Scenes from a Memory um, and Astonishing. And um, I, I admit my bias of the Astonishing because I worked with John on it. Um, but I like the record even before we'd formalized contract, and I think that there's um, much to be... Uh, commended uh, around the astonishing musically. already hearing Jordan using piano sounds and he always does this um, and it's gonna be interesting to see with the rest of this record if he continues with it but there's this idea in in big anthemic rock and metal called the power piano and it's usually some marriage of you know real piano sounds um, to what's going on with the guitars uh, and the, the sonic sort of combination of those things is unique and um, uh, already hearing that i love the i love the the combination <laughs> So they did something interesting there. Uh, they had another little sort of bridge into the first verse, but the first verse is coming in with a more, um, uh, a more assertive, um, you know, rhythm backing. And also here, um, they've got this effect on uh, James' voice that has this sort of radio signal sound which is consonant with the whole idea of the alien as though there's this transmission going. Um, You know, this is not rocket science. I don't want to make this sound like nobody's ever done this kind of thing before, but it's attention to this kind of detail that sort of gives the song. It's, it's more than just a delivery of a performance. It's, it's actually creating this sort of um, this narrative and this journey we're going to take. Planetary, some on the air, some on fire. Terraforming new world, survival for 
sorry come out of this uh, this um, sonic um, uh, effect that's on top of James' voice that gives this this transmission quality, and then all of a sudden it opens up into the full sound of his voice, and you've, he's got a double going here too. And there's interplay, so you can hear it, it's as though there's a conversation taking place. I don't know if that's the intention. things I want to say about James' voice. Um, it's deceptive. Uh, there's been some conversation about, um, oh, in this particular record, he's not um, being asked to hit the super aggressive high notes. Uh, and I don't know. We're going to see. I haven't listened to the full record, so we're going to see. Um, but on the one hand, the, I could make the argument that that's a valuable you know, songwriting approach, because there already are so many aggre athletic, aggressive songs for James to sing in the catalog. And a lot of them are staples of their live shows. And so there's there's going to be plenty of time and need for athleticism in James' voice in the course of a show when they go out on tour. We've talk, If you've been on my show before or, or, or uh, watched my show, you know that I I have a, an appreciation and understanding of what it means for a biological instrument like the voice because of my own training, um, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Contextually, it might make, make, make some sense. Um, but it's, it's a very hard thing to maintain. And James has already got um, his work cut out for him in singing some of this catalog that is definitely going to be included in, in their tour. So that's you could make the argument that that would be a so smart songwriting approach for Dream Theater to take, where... Um, things are comfortable for James um, because there's. it's not like he's going to um, dial back on the need with some of the other songs. The other thing I want to say is um, James has got, there's a number of, of uh, cameo videos of him singing songs. And um, if you listen closely, and, and I don't think you have to have had vocal training to understand this, but, but maybe that helps, I don't know. But when you listen closely to what he's doing there, um, he's singing those songs um, usually in their original key, um, and he's singing them. He's not singing them lightly. He's singing them very much the way that they are on the albums, and uh, and he's and it's great. And this is not with him having spent time um, warming warming up. It's without all of the um, the benefit of amplification and um, and effects and all of that sort of stuff. And it still has a fullness. Uh, and a power um, in a way that, that other acoustic vocalists uh, in a lot of bands that we all love and admire just doesn't have. Uh, in fact, if it's very enlightening to listen to um, a lot of the death uh, growl and that, the, the, um, the new sort of growling vocals, um, when you hear those in the absence of all of those things, sometimes they're really underwhelming because in order to have that sort of um, distortion in the voice um, it has to be done with a certain lightness of effect 
And there's some, uh, I'll try and remember, there's a very, very good vocalist um, who who does this. He, he does training videos of this, and he shows you how um, how relaxed and soft it actually is. And it's not even, it doesn't sound very menacing or aggressive. But when, of course, when you record it and you add all the stuff, it sounds enormous. Uh, and a lot of young vocalists not understanding that try and create that sound acoustically, and they just, you know, then they their voice is gone very quickly. James, on the other hand, while he doesn't do as much of this this deep growl stuff, um, when he's singing, there's a there's a power in it, and you can hear it in these acoustic things. Uh, the point of this for me in sharing this at this point so early in the record is to say, there may be I don't know that we're going to see you know how he sits in the register, um, but some of these notes are deceptively big, um, big in terms of still in sort of pitch, um, but more importantly, like their fullness. And so um, I would not, to me, talking about notes, um, I don't think is going to be any sort of compromise. I don't, I mean, I think that's the wrong way to think about it. That, now I'm a, I'm a Dream Theater fan, and I'm a, and I'm a James, I absolutely love what James does. So again, I'll acknowledge my bias there. But hearing this objectively, I would say there's some pretty big notes there, and they've got this, this uh, fullness and clarity and power that James has that for me make this as um, as interesting and um, um, fun to listen to as all of the other records. of scenes from her memory, um, melodically.
that's just stunning work from Mangini. I, I love how he's he's doing some inverted um, runs there uh, on on the drum set. It's uh, not that that he hasn't done that before, but I like the choices he's making, or he's moving up the toms. Um, you know, in a in a just it's the same facility as when he moves down the toms with a fill, but he's going the other direction. It gives it this surprising and refreshing. Um, feeling in inside the tune. Also love when he goes to those high toms like that. It's got this really, really cool um, sort of change of pace, um, change of sort of sonic signature. Also love that I'm really hearing John Myung's bass i all i'm one of those always feel like i have heard john's uh bass um i'll acknowledge that there's plenty of times when it's mixed back uh that doesn't feel like so far uh how they're going with this particular mix You see my eyes moving around. It's because I've got the music, but I've also got the lyrics up. So I'm kind of like trying to pull this all together in coaching conversation um, and um, insights, maybe. things you're starting to hear i think here with jordan coming in with his solo here you can all i can already i already feel like i can hear his attention to shapes um uh and he talked about this in my conversation with him that he's always had a great admiration for john's solo writing because there was always these musical shapes and figures in it it wasn't as i was talking about before just sort of um, technical facility up and down uh, the fretboard and um, I know that many of the times the way Jordan will track is he's, he's such an instinctive and inspiring um, uh, player. And he can do that um, spontaneously uh, against all, all kinds of music. And that's a gift. I mean, that's a, that's a gift at a, at a, a very advanced level. And I, I actually don't think everybody can get to that place. Um, so he, he does a fair amount of that when he's um, uh, working on the instrument. But this time he took some extra energy to, um, you know, come up with things and to shape them. Um, and I, I don't know which ones are which, but he talked to me about this. And I'm already hearing that on this, this record. So his improvisational skill is sort of without question. Uh, but this time he's, he's, um, he's adding a layer to his songwriting um, against this music. And uh, I mean, I've only heard a few bars, but I'm already really, really impressed with it. You know, if you think about it, um, 
one of the things that I think many of the fans loved about the Kevin Moore era was that Kevin had this ability to write and play on the keyboard and phrase in a very guitar-like way. So when he and John were catching musical figures together, um, it had this just this beauty and this this feel of organic or the, uh, this very natural feel. Um, that's kind of what I'm st- I'm feeling here a little bit is. Um, and it's not that Jordan hasn't always had this ability, um, but in his own way, because he's stretching himself to, to do new things, um, he's finding a gear here that I don't think we've heard before, or at least, you know, and I know we're early in the record, but this is, for me, this is very impressive. <laughs> I love the the chord progression change there. Just changes the feeling, and it, it's signaling uh, coming back into. Uh, I has to be coming back into the narrative of the song. they've got going here which is really cool uh, is a coda and it's a it's a coda musically it's also in kind of a way a, a coda um um lyrically or, or narratively you know that the, the the conceit of this song is that if you go far enough away from earth you you become the alien and i think that i think this was james idea um lyrically but you know in this outro it becomes a coda a musical coda uh, and now we get the sort of surprise. This is a narrative technique that many novels will do, but particularly in short fiction, where you get to that twist at the end that's, that kind of puts this ratchet on everything that has gone before. And um, so for me, I get chills when I hear this kind of stuff, both in the narrative portion of the storytelling in the song but and, and how that plays against a new sort of musical feeling that you get with, with a new chord progression. So this is a really, I mean, this is a, a science fiction theme that you see many times played out in movies and in books of uh, the need to kind of leave Mother Earth um, and find some habitable place somewhere else. And so the song has this um, kind of unique optimism in it and also this sort of sense of wonder. Um, you'll hear me talking about lyrics. They matter to me, and so and I like to analyze them and react to them. So um, 
yeah, I, I, I think that this is a really interesting concept. I like how they've pulled this off. And the optimism is because they're talking about, it doesn't matter how far we have to go, um, but there's a better world out there. You know, you'd, ha- you'd hopefully or have to believe that if you were uh, enjoining yourself to an effort to leave Earth behind and find a new future. And this is where this is where John's this sig- the, how I feel about John's signature solo just it, it's so perfect for this kind of a, a lyrical theme uh, because it has this sort of nostalgia while also like having this sort of central promise of courage uh, in the future. I, um, I'm going to have to probably spend some time like dialing this in and maybe I'll write an article about it, but there's something about how John's able to find a, um, a musical, uh, this, what I call his signature, but this sort of musical, um, feeling that is, um, that has this dual idea inside it, which is this nostalgia, which is a look back, but at the same time giving you this sort of this um, this target uh, into the future, this this belief or optimism of moving forward. And I I totally get that this is a subjective reaction to music, and someone else could feel very differently. But this is I'm trying to describe what it is about John soloing that I think is so beautiful and um, optimistic. And why I love it. Other people will love him for different reasons. This is this is my um, listen listen to the album. So these are my thoughts. I love the piano work, Jordan. If you ever hear this, or I'll just have to send you a text. This, I mean, it's it's uh, it's seated back in the mix a little bit, but the piano work against everything that's going on with the the dual harmony lead, uh, so good, so good. There are so many um, patches out there that it's you know possible, and I'm not a keyboard player, to know what what was inside that that pad that uh, Jordan was using at the end. But it it sounded to me I, it, like many of these have this choir or this uh, voices or choral uh, feeling. I had that sense in that in that patch. I, I'm going to have to ask Jordan if I get a chance uh, if if he created that. Uh, if it maybe it was just a, uh, an off the the shelf patch but it had that and and reason i i call attention to it is i think it's um it it's works very well with the idea of um this this song which is you know humanity moving uh into the future and so this you know um these these voices kind of uh 
moving in that direction. Uh, very consonant with that. Very, very, very cool. Uh, okay, so let's go to the next track uh, on A View from the Top of the World, Answering the Call. Dial up the lyrics here, and I will pull forward the, the track itself. So there's Jordan just having, you can tell he's having so much fun uh, with his choices on sounds. Um, kind of a science fiction-y thing there. That's um, seven eight six eight uh, or a, a thirteen eight phrase. That's a, it's a very cool rhythm uh, or meter they've got there. Maybe it's just seven. These guys have dialed in the power piano. Um, this is what I call it. But the there's John's signature again, and then there's Jordan underneath it with just this really powerful um, piano. I I love the combination. I think it's uh, magical. I, you know that sounds maudlin, but that's how it feels. <laughs> With the bells, I mean, it has that bell, that crystal bell feeling, doesn't it? Um, just sort of tr transportive. White walls, glisten, empires, crimson, aching within, raging fire. Oh, I love that uh, musical choice, James. That, that, that raging fire. Oh, so, so cool. things that's already going on here um this is not new but i'm gonna i'm gonna say it out loud is james um facility in singing over odd time um we've come to expect it and he does it so effortlessly uh it's deceptive and uh, if i do a bunch of um vocalizing to dream theaters um music and i've done a couple of covers i'm gonna do some more covers one of the things that's really interesting to, me, interesting to me and that I've started to appreciate even more is James' entrance into musical phrases and, the, and his own vocal rhythm as it works uh, on top of um, sometimes many polyrhythms, you know, uh, things going on um, with drums against, you know, and everybody's doing something. They, they always make it cohere. Um, 
you know, progressive fans love this. So it's not that Dream Theater is the only band that does this, but they do do it. And James has this, um, his voice just kind of moves right over the top of this. Um, and he's doing it already on this record with um, such ease that it, it um, in some ways, it helps make sense of the rest of what's going on. The rest of that stuff can be really interesting. It can create tension because of the differences and the rhythms and the way they work together and where they fall together uh, with the different instruments um, and certain beats, all of that stuff. Um, but you can kind of have that be the bed and have it be creating this sort of musical uh, tension and, and um, other sort of emotional landscape. And James, on top of it, um, giving such, uh, it's kind of smoothing it out. Um, and you kind of just go with him. And he does this so well. Um, I mean, really commendable. I love those breaks. I love that sort of very frenetic uh, lick they've got there going between the the verses. like the the use they've they've um made of harmonies so far in this record uh places where they bring in a the james is singing a uh, a third um, or a fifth and and then drops out um and it creates this um when i'm kind of looking at the lyrics it kind of creates sometimes he's asking these questions uh and then there's these answers and so you get this idea, you know, at least I do, I start to wonder if they're framing, using the, the, the voice to frame this. Um, you know, tr trust is love and peace, burns bright for us. It, you know, it's, um, I don't know that they're, they're conscious of this, and I'm not sure it's really important, but, I, but somehow the, the use of the harmonies in certain places gives them, you know, an emphasis that the, the, the single voice thereafter um, it responds to and almost everything i would be surprised if there's a single line of of voice on the entire record that's not doubled and then just mixed down three or five db nice to be Again, so James has got this very, very legato um, line, and the vocal rhythm is, you know, it's not that it's not hitting; it's it, you know, stretched out over. But behind, if you listen to what um, what's going on musically uh, with keys and guitar, it's frenetic. Um, um, and this is not a new technique, but um, they're doing it at least in this first couple of tracks quite a bit. 
uh, and I really love the effect. Let me just pause here real quick. I'm going to go back just a little bit. The pre-chorus says, when will there be a day when all of us trust and know in love and peace? Um, when will the long-held truth be cast aside, embrace our fellow men no longer vilified? Um, you know, the, the Dream Theater is rarely political um, and very often very narrative um, storytelling in their lyrics. But they do at times um, lyrically talk about things that you can tell abstract against, you know, what's going on around us um, and and provide answers that are just grounded in kind of universal truths. Um, and I, I believe some of this comes from some of the place where some of these guys have been in terms of their own, you know, values, um, holding up, you know, in esteem, things like love and peace. And I know that that can sound super high-minded or uh, cliche or sappy, but what's interesting about how it plays in, in the Dream Theater music is there's this forcefulness um, with the instrumentation. And James' voice has this certain sort of clarity uh, narrative sense uh, or, or that he can sing with a narrative sense. And um, so it never comes across that way. Uh, at least to me, it does not. You could argue, and there's a sense in which this is a fight song. Um, radiant will shine, heart and soul, one mind, illuminating all, answering the call. Um, there's a lot of ways to read this, but that's at least one of them. Fight or flight. Interesting. Fight or flight's the very next lyric. find a point on it but those are some pretty powerful lyrics i think um scars you can't erase if you choose to face um i mean they all ladder up to the idea of the song answering the call but they do all of this and then they the interrogative at the end will you wager your life i think that it, this invitation to talk about or you do you have the interest or the fortitude to uh, commit um in service of these these higher more you know human and universal values of love and peace. It's really cool tune.
another example, I think, of Jordan um, doing some work to give his solo um, in the song this, um, th- you know, there's just this sense of, of um, having a figure, having a, uh, it's not just working as it always does musically um, or, you know, technically, but having, um, you know, a considered approach, a, a, a thoughtful approach to the melodic um, sensibility against the, um, the rhythm. the guys uh spent time each doing their own thing and then they come together dream theater is famous for this um and it's of course because uh, the level the expert level at which um they're playing it makes it that much more phenomenal but this is the this this is a really good example of sort of vintage dream theater dual solo <laughs> bass down there gives me shivers just so deep and so powerful and there's jordan playing on top of it with science fiction sounds uh it's cool Ah, such a great tune. Uh, all right, let's just keep moving through this. Um, Invisible Monster, this is another one of the um, singles that they have uh, released. But I just want to do this um, contiguously. And the reason is um, because I know back in the day, you know, this is the get off my lawn segment. Uh, you got the record. It was vinyl. You could, of course, try and skip around. But it kind of made sense to just let it play linearly, and less so in the in the days of the CD. But I know that John it, um, is John Petrucci's a, 
a fan of this sort of linear listening to an album. Um, this is how he grew up and his, his enthusiasm and excitement for music. And so there's thought um, when they put these records together, there's thought about the flow um, and the progression of the songs. And so whenever I listen to a Dream Theater album for the first time in particular, and usually thereafter, um, I, I don't usually have uh, tracks that um, I'm interested in skipping. Uh, I But I always listen to it start to finish. And so Invisible Monsters next, so that's what we'll listen to. Uh, that drum thing, the way they mixed that, the sound of that it was, I mean, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, they did something with how they sort of created the, the sound on that. The sonic nature of it was really, really cool against the sort of dreamy open. <laughs> on fire on this record um he's i have loved that man from day one uh i i had the chance to meet him and so the personality was a factor maybe but um i think the dude is getting better and uh, i love how musically he's playing on this record he's always had he's always had the technical facility and frankly if you go back into some of his earlier stuff he's a musical player too um but there's a I don't know. This is just, uh, it's remarkable to me because it feels like he's just getting better in his songwriting. When you face the creature that waits beneath your bed, will you stare into its eyes or look away? I love when James makes those um, melodic choices, uh, you know, getting a second or a half step. And it's not always, a, a, sometimes it's a full step, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's a unique sort of, um, turn of phrase, um, not phrase. It's a, a musical turn, a melodic turn for the voice. Um, and obviously has a certain resolve against the, the chord progression, but he's done it several times already on this record. Um, and it, it kind of gives you that, this momentary resolve before he lo launches back into the next, um, lyrical verse. From the flame, the choice to seek or hide is yours to make. See that time he he made a different choice uh, uh, on the same progression. Now, 
I want to I, I want to just briefly address this invisible monster thing. I I think I saw a couple of posts, people kind of running down, um, invisible monster as a as a idea or a lyric. Um, I mean, I just come at it differently. When I hear that, what I hear is guys that are my age, uh, doing music, and still have this sort of playfulness and this willingness uh, and this ability to kind of um, lyrically treat something in a way that um, kind of harkens back to just a, a youthfulness. I think it's really cool. I think it's the opposite of, of silly or however else it might be derided. I think it, it's, um, uh, and again, I, I look through the lens of being a real Dream Theater fan, but even if this had been a different band, um, you know, there's plenty of sober-mindedness in uh, and um, storytelling in Dream Theater's music. But being able to invoke an image um, with language that harkens back to a, a simpler time has a certain appeal all of its own, at least in my mind. Um, I just love that um, that use of, of incremental. Um, like I think it's a pedal tone. Change went much drier there um, as they did the musical change. Drier on the vocals, I mean. Whispering in its ear. Things that may never happen. Worries too much to bear. You know, you'll hear me make a lot of vocal comments, but I, one of the things they're doing there too is in some of the places it sounds to me like when they're uh, mixing the voice, the double, they're bringing it up um, so that it, it's got a little bit of a, a more of a chorus effect um, and you're hearing both of them. In the other places, um, they're dialing that back, they're dropping it down um, so it's not quite so obvious to the ear. Invisible the other thing that is signature James is very, very often and sometimes it's mixed back a little bit, so it's not as obvious if you're not listening for it, is there's a there's a there's another track where he's lower. And it creates a body, you know, a, a, a thickness to the vocal tracks. Very often it's an octave, but it's not always. Sometimes it's a fifth below. Um, and this it's not a, I don't, it doesn't feel like, like to me the intent is to have harmony, um, you know, Simplistically speaking, harmonies are often higher, 
but less less than that. It just it's a it, it feels like a, a signature of the way James likes to present his voice on records to give it this fullness. And um, you, I'm already hearing it in this record. It's really um, not all vocalists do this. Uh, and um, James has done it for a long time, and it gives uh, his voice works. You know, ha- has a certain consonance. Um, you know, when they when they build these tracks this way. drums man they'd sound dreamy the way that they've mixed those I love Jordan's choices so much already in um, in the sounds that he's choosing to use to give this um, these tracks a distinctiveness. It's really cool. how he did this sort of glissando down into that um that second uh i think it's a second um, i just i love the effect of that vocally Shout out to uh, Jimmy T for you know the engineering to capture these performances and to Andy Sneap on the mixing. Um, I think these are high points, man. Th- these guys are getting better, which is scary. Ooh. 
so cool. Jordan's killing it. All right, Sleeping Giant. That's a little bit of the same kind of an intro feel. They've got some delay going on top of a very light, clean picking pattern to kind of set this, you know, dreamy audio bed against which you know we're about to get uh, more assertive. You can also hear it panning in my headphones, which is really cool. Kind of gives it that swirl. of that panning back and forth really cool It's interesting because six is usually like a got a for me anyway it's got a little bit of a waltz feel <laughs> this doesn't feel like a waltz heavy organ and I know I know Jordan does too I, I'm happy to hear this on this record that that clean um Picking pattern is still doing this swirl. It's, it's really cool, man. Some will be I gotta, you know, I, I, I recognize as I'm talking through this record and experiencing it, I haven't talked a lot about John Myung. Um but when but he's there. And, and I think that it's mixed a little bit better than it has been on some records. But in some ways, it's, it, you know, and maybe this is a meta comment, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, John is so good. Like, like one, of the th one of the things my vocal, I, I trained with the guy who, who trained Jeff Tate from Queensryche and Anna Nancy Wilson from Heart and Lane Staley from Allison Chains. And one of the, the precepts that he drilled into my head it goes this. It sounds a little bit, um, a little bit complicated, but it's really not. And it is the art of the art is the art that conceals the art, which is just kind of to say, um, 
a, a good analogy is with a book. You, if you read a really good book, if you're aware of the author, if the writing is such that you, you can hear the author inside the story and the words, the, then the author has done a poor job. The, the idea of good art is to be so transparent that the, the creator is not um, part of the experience, that the, you know, that the story is, or in this case, the song. And John, my young, is maybe as good as it gets here. He always plays in a way that gives the song support, gives them drive and power. Um, and, you know, John, I heard it. I can't remember the uh, live show, but he did a solo that I saw some months back that was the most creative, most fresh bass solo. I'll try and find it and maybe put it in the notes to the show, a link. I'd never heard the bass played that way. Um John, so my young has exceptional ability with the instrument to find new sounds, new ways to play. Um, he, that's just part of what he does. But when he brings that to these songs, he does it in a way that supports these songs and drives them such that you, you it's almost trans, it is transparent. Um, and I think that that's to his credit. I think the fact that he does this in a way that um, doesn't, obviate itself inside the music um, says something deeply powerful about him as a player. I'm just kind of thinking about this now. I've always had huge respect for him and, and we know that he can play the hell out of the instrument, but how he finds the right, he makes the right choices for the songs that continue to do the things the bass needs to do uh, and do the things that a dream theater bass player needs, uh, needs to do for these songs but to do it without seeing so overt, that's um, that's advanced musicianship. Um, and so for the number of times I've said nothing about John Mayung, it occurs to me that it could be because the guy is just so freakishly gifted to be able to, to present his, his ideas inside these songs without drawing attention to himself. Is, uh, it, it's, um, it's remarkable. I'll just leave it at that for now. We'll be driven by conflict. Others will fight the good fight. Some will rely on the darkness. Some will rely on the light. Some I don't know what that sound was Jordan was using. I, I want to say it almost had a dulcimer feeling to it. I don't know what that was. That was really cool. And hear the, the cool organ. I just get chills when James does that and he hits that tone. And it's in, in this instance, it's the backing vocal at, at the harmony above. Um, I think it's a fifth. Um, oh my gosh. Just gives me chills. Uh, and part of that is 
Um, not not the pitch. In fact, none of it's really the pitch. Um, I mean, it's impressive to hit cool high notes, but it's really more the tone James is able to bring to those notes that has always um, put a chill up my back. By the way, um, this is all just real-time reaction. Uh, I may I may misspeak on um, musical intervals and things like that. I don't, it, that's not really my point in doing this. I can dial those in if I wanted to be analytical about it. Um, it's more just me reacting to the, the sonic presence of a backing vocal and those things and the effect of those choices on uh, the listening experience and, and, and very often also how they interplay with the narrative experience. Jordan's, uh, he must have some cool new libraries with some really cool retro sounds. Uh, or maybe he's had these before, um, but I love the choices. I still think this is in six, man. It's such, it's really digging this. you man i don't know if it's just on my brain but there's definitely scenes from a memory echoes in this uh, record questioning their own desires this morbid fascination renders us possessed by our violent and destructive side Love that that uh, backing, just chorus that James has done multiple voices. Just uh. one of the one of the really we don't hear this very much, and it, and it is an essential part of this this uh, uh, section of the song. But we don't as often anymore hear vocalists just singing on the ah or singing on the u, for the for the sake of having the voice. Uh, be in, an instrument separate from having to carry any lyrical weight or narrative weight in the song. Um, and I love that. I love when we just hear the human voice, even if it's just on a vowel. Uh, and that's what's going on in the background here. It's super cool. When we lay our fragments of our
forgetting to talk. I love this chorus. Um, it has that unique dream theater quality of being feeling familiar, but um, unpredictable, uh, at least on this first listen. Uh, John's signature. drum tones on this record. young just like catching those musical figures with the other guys with all the facility they have in their instruments it's uh that's remarkable now i'm going to comment on this i know some people don't dig when uh rudess gets into um the sort of ragtime and then that old sound in that way but i love it i love it because it gives it's another flavor it gives these songs some personality they wouldn't otherwise have, um, you know, and it's a it's a cool kind of uh, joyful, playful music that's just not played anymore. So I love that Jordan brings that forward. almost feeling like a you know that old uh, jazz approach of trading fours it's obviously not trading fours but it feels a little bit like that like they've got this musical figure this musical bed and these guys are going to kind of take turns doing their thing um uh you know and with guys like this uh the opportunity and, and they know that a, a great deal of how they arrive at these things is by the exercise of their improvisational skills um, and, and I, I think a fair amount of the stuff that they do in that context makes it onto the record. Um, but there's a, a spontaneous, you know, a, a feeling of spontaneity inside this music that I, it, I wouldn't surprise me to hear if some of this actual, um, final track came from some of this spontaneous, you know, people taking the lead a across the same sort of musical, uh, background or reference. <laughs> Again, 
again, I know I've said it a couple of times, but, um, and it could just be the lens through which I'm looking right now in my life or whatever. The scenes from a memory, uh, there's, there's definitely some echoes here. That's um, anthemic. That is really, really cool. You can hear the the whatever the the patch that uh, Gordon's using in the background. I think he may have blended in a, a voice uh, or choral patch. Uh, it just has this sort of magnificence um, behind the the rhythm. And that could be just my ear, but that's definitely the effect or the perception I'm getting. Nice layering, uh, incremental um, harmonies coming in. I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but they're they're lyrically some of the treatments on this record so far, and I know we're on track four. Um, seem to be a response to the sort of grief-stricken world that we've all been living through lately, um, and looking for sort of you know here he's talking about a common thread um, um, about our need you know our need to believe that there's good in the world. Uh, um, all in the context of a song that's really powerful and um, thrilling and thoughtful, but um, speaking thematically to something that's relevant, um, I think it's cool. I, whether this is conscious or not, it's it it has the same effect for the listener. You know, for those who care about the lyrics. <laughs> I just love how Mangini can go from these insane fills directly into musical figures where he's he's punching all the accents and, in, you know, at the same sort of um, rhythm as the other instruments. Um, 
you know, and this is this is a definitely a, a dream theater thing. Um, but he he does it so well, and th- this this outro is an example. Yeah, man, that's a great track. All right, next is Transcending Time. song already has a um a hopeful feeling it to it I, I care very much about the emotional uh response to music um and i know that varies to the listener uh, but this has that i'm going to be interested to see where this goes lyrically <laughs> It's a cool choice there. Love it. I roam the countryside Seeking wings of thoughts Waiting in the blind Enchanted and transfixed I am pulled into the still By a bat Now, there's a little bit there of Count of Tuscany. Um... Maybe it was just that turn of ra- or the um, uh, ly- uh, melodic turn. What ticking clock? How that gets my will? time to dust. to the wind, like dreaming Oh man, Jeannie, you're killing it on this. So those polyrhythms that he's got going, um, um, or the drum beat rather, um, but the movement of it underneath the, the really cool, still the choices that Jordan's making on the sounds feel to me like a, a little bit of a callback to early progressive rock. And, you know, I know that Jordan's a huge fan of that stuff. <laughs> not an easy progression to find melody to and and harmony to um and the choice the the consequential choices there led to a melodic line that was really unpredictable for me and those are some of the places that i i enjoy dream theater the most is when that kind of thing happens and that section right there uh signals in the mist hit that (laughs) 
such an important idea. I'm going to stop there. Um, so midnight in the garden, you know, you can decide what you think the, the um, symbolism is there for garden. Um, there's a lot of interesting choices, of course, depending on your ideological view. But where he goes on to talk about, um, you know, looking for inspiration, uh, and he uses the poet as as the sort of figure um, for what he's trying to convey. But he talks about silencing the critic inside. Such an important idea for anybody. You know, I know Dream Theater has so many musician bands, um, and it's something that a lot of musicians suffer from, and not only musicians. But the, this idea that the work isn't good enough and, and therefore they never even try. Um, I love that they decided to, you know, declare this in this tune. Limits leave no trace. In the rain. You see the metaphors they're using here, the tra- sort of the tr- transitory nature of self-imposed um, limitations. Um Limits leave no trace, ashes in the rain, these things that are sort of um, so transient that the, it's unimportant. We need not like place such emphasis on them. Um, this is this is good lyric writing, at least at least for me. Lost in ah, Jordan, that's such a cool musical choice for the the keys. Great interlude, uh, you know, breakdown, whatever you want to call it there, uh, piano and, and guitar, um, just kind of softening it up before it goes into whatever sort of outro they're 
steering for. in this record there's some um again don't know if it's intentional but there's definitely some callbacks to the the shoulders on which current prog rock and prog metal stand in terms of um, the sounds that are used and certainly some of the lyrical themes and concepts that are being addressed um which i think is really really cool it's obviously filtered through um modern ability and modern technology but uh I think I think there's something of that in this record, at least for me. on the suspended so such a cool um such a cool uh, coda there kind of at the end um i wanted to say it reminds me for those of you who are fans of jordan you may know him for some of his bigger records more bombastic records more prog metally records but um if you dig back in his catalog he's got some stuff that are just these like sort of intimations of his soul. I know that that sounds a little bit sappy, but it's just this beautiful piano music. And it's not, um, I mean, there are, there are um, shades of Wyndham, early Wyndham Hills artists, but um, it's different. It's, it's Jordan, uniquely Jordan. And the, the it's, um, I'll, I'll find the, the actual album title here in a minute. Um, I talked to him about it. It's, it's one of his favorite personal records that he ever wrote and record, recorded. Um, but some of the some of the things we heard in this particular track reminded me of the the player and songwriter Jordan is um, that has a, another side from sort of the you know the really aggressive, amazingly technical um, you know pyrotechnic music that we know and love him for. Uh, all right, awaken the monster. I believe this is the tune. It's strange. so visceral i mean there's the rhythm itself that's really cool but obviously the tone that he's getting with this um and again there's jordan with some what i feel are some very cool retro uh proggy patches (laughs) 
Mayung uh, doing his thing to keep all of that stuff tight and together, giving it some of the more, uh, some of that low punch, um, but so transparently amazing in the context of everything that's going on. I just needed to say it again. Um, I mean, it's part of what's, uh, I mean, they kind of put this on the map as far as I'm concerned of having the, uh, the base, not just hitting the root, um, uh, and then holding or with slight runs at the end of a, of a four or, a, um, you know, whatever the, the measure is, um, but actually you working in unison, um, you know, and he does, he locks so seamlessly with what's going on. That's why I think sometimes you don't, even, you don't feel like you're even hearing it. Speaking of my young again. You know, and then you you couple that with the um, bass drum, uh, and in this particular song with uh, such the meaty, so low end that the eight string. Uh, man, I'm gonna have to listen to this with uh, uh, killer um, bass um, um, sound system I have to kind of get the full effect. I'm sure. <laughs> See, there's Jordan, too, with the, uh, that left hand getting down into those nice, deep, gritty notes. That's majestic. Uh, that's just so majestic. If I wasn't doing this, like, listen through, I, I'd be rewinding. Keyboard patch is giving this sort of slightly eerie mystical sound against this like crazy eight string. Um, yeah, I mean the the choices that they're making in terms of um, the the sounds and how they're pairing them to create sort of the larger sonic footprint of the song is really impressive to me with this record. I mean, I, I'm always I'm all I always find things that impress me about each new release, but um, I feel like I'm I'm hearing these guys doing some things that are uh, just stretching them, and um, it's inspiring. Frankly, it's really inspiring. 
And I love that Jordan like moves between these retro sounds. You've heard him use like these kind of science fiction sounds um, to just this these beautiful strong piano sounds. Um, I'm uh, you know I think that the choices are really thoughtful on this album. On a frozen path, such a beautiful progression and they just find this really uh i know that i know that john um very often is doing a lot of the seminal uh, melodic writing for the vocal line but i know that james uh, contributes there um, i really love the choices they've made on this record got to stop so it would have been very easy for john with an eight string guitar to just chunk something out that just sounded mean and riffy um, and frankly that's what i think a lot of people expected that they would hear what is so remarkable about this tune is that we get the sonic presence of those low notes on this new instrument um but they they ladder up to uh, to a tune that's starting to say something lyrically that really important i think um not not the end all beat all it's not all about the lyrics but i know that these are things john cares about um but the but the music itself like it's uh what i love about it is the the obvious thing would have been just to write something that's just just a terrifying riff and we all just uh, uh you know uh, behold it and and um uh, love it and and crank it they didn't do that. I mean, they, there are places where you can just listen to it for that, especially that opening. But um, the, the songs evolve beyond that, and I love that uh, there's a there's a maturity of songwriting in that approach, and that's that's who Dream Theater has evolved to. is cinematic um this is just more evidence that these guys could absolutely do a music score to a film i think uh, i mean you imagine imagine what you just heard on a dolby atmos um in a theater where they've just really got this the resonant um speaker system to drive on those low notes um and then on top of it you get this very cin cinematic um um keyboard this expansive keyboard line uh wow yeah i can i mean i can i can see images in my head 
to this music. my young um, driving it down there you made it to the top just a chills um the lines and the harmonies over you know uh this is some of the stuff i just love about listening to james sing that like they've got all this expansiveness as they've mixed and um harmonized the line and then you get this line that feels a little bit drier uh the double is mixed so far back it, it sounds like a single voice and so it, it cuts through it's as though you know pay attention to this and the line is remember hereafter so um i mean it's possible that i'm just seeing all of this because i'm interpreting it through the lens of my experience and my own biases and, and you know, likes and dislikes of, of music. It's also possible that the people constructing the music and writing the music and helping to mix and record the music are, are thinking about this too. I mean, I think this is part of what a good producer does is they look at how it is that the tools at their disposal can help to evince um, something unique with the composition. And um, I, John's obviously does, I think, most of the producing now. Um, and I know how thoughtful he is. So I, maybe I'll get a chance to ask him sometime. But I think that these are things, these are this is part of the nuance um, that I'm hearing on this record where they are uh, making choices about the harmonies. Um, uh, James is making choices about, uh, you are in, in concert, I'm sure, with the rest of the guys where they're bringing up the... the the double track where they're mixing the the lower fifth of the the lower octave, um, how that's playing against um, what Jordan's doing and the choices Jordan's making, um, um, and not not to um, be left out. The way I mean the the drum tones on this in this record I'm really really loving and I mean I it, it's sounding like an unqualified rave review. I don't mean it to be, but I'm noticing things that I think are unique about it. Um, and it'll take a long time for me to figure out how I feel about this relative to all the rest of their work. But I mean, one of the things that just screams out to me is we've got a, a band of people in their mid fifties, I think, although I think Jordan may have turned 65 yesterday or the day before who are, are 
improving at their compositional skills. I mean, it's. It, I think we all know that we loved we love the technical facility and the fireworks, but what makes Dream Theater Dream Theater is that they're great songwriters because um, there's a lot of guys who can play and there's a lot of bands with all the ability, but they've broken through to the degree they have. I mean, they're not, they're you know they're not playing arenas, um, but they have a, a fan base that is persistent and growing and so loyal. And I think it's because it's on the strength of the songwriting right from the very beginning, but but continually seasoned. Um, and this record, it, it just is a phenomenal effort at uh, musicians that are continuing to try and grow. That's how it, that's how it comes off to me. How cool is that? So, so cool. Great. A, a great sound, um, a, ch a musical change. And this is what I mean. The, the change in the growth is in, is by degrees, right? It's not that they, they've turned a corner and do something completely different. Uh, there are bands that do that, and that works to varying degrees. But they've got this center that continues to be dream theater. It's unmistakably dream theater. Um, but if I feel like if you're listening closely, you're starting to hear um, or you're hearing on this record the, the various things they're doing to tune it up, um, by which I mean to go beyond what they've done before. Um, I, I really look forward to multiple spins on this, uh, you know, to become more and more familiar because what happens for me with Dream Theater is after I've listened to it the first time and, and successively is I begin to hear more things because there's just more layers to it. It's the nature of their music. And so there's, I look forward to all these delightful moments in the future where I'm uh, getting to hear past the things that, that are most obvious to me on my first listen. I can't comment on guitar um, like others have and will uh, who are guitar players. And so they know all the things, but uh, that felt like a mode that I've not heard John use very often in his uh, soloing before. And so it, it uh, made me take note. <laughs> be a consequence of the of the progression over which uh he's soloing and so the choices he's he's taking to weave those together but i don't know i think that's one i'm gonna have to ask john <laughs> That's a riff section where if you've got that kind of stereo to, and, and bass uh, speaker or amp 
oh my gosh, that's just got to rip. I mean, I've, I've got pretty good bass response in my headphones, but these are actually made for mixing and recording. So the intent is to be fairly neutral uh, on the sound with these. I can hear him with one hand doing the, the solo with a cool patch. I don't, I can't, I, I can't place where I may have heard that before. Um, and with the other doing that organ in the back, really cool. And I feel like the the, the rhythm that John has found there and, um, and the progression of it is different than I've heard him write before. I have to believe that some of that is a consequence of that that low string and, um, you know, the way that um, the choices it gives him because it's a, a really unique progression. Trying to decide what I think about where where they're centering the lyric, like the where the narrative is going, because um, in the the lyrics I'm reading, master is not capitalized. I had expected it would be based upon how this chorus plays out, um, as an allusion to any any number of things, but um, as a not a concept, but as a an individual, a person. Um, and I don't know if maybe this is a typo. Um, or if it's meant to be uh, typifying something versus uh, speaking to a personification or a particular person. Uh, I like both ideas just as sort of a mental exercise. Um, I'm going to have to go back and read, 
reread this several times. And I, I just enjoyed doing that to try and find sort of a narrative center on the tomb. Yeah, and Mancini and Mayung just just so solid underneath all of that the whole way. Um, you know, with a tune that 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 keys off of some of that really low register stuff. Uh, and they played into that really, really well uh, in that whole song. It's um, just had this epic um, sort of earthiness to it. Really amazing track. All right, man. So uh, last tune, but this is uh, an epic tune, A View from the Top of the World. I think this is the 20-plus minute tune. So we will play this. comes in parts. First part's called The Crowning Glory. There's an instrumental section, almost like setting up the themes of, this, of the song, or the motifs. And again, man, I'm hearing some echoes of scenes from a memory. I'm going to have to go back if I if I get ambitious about it and see if I can't find the songs, you know, the the sections of songs where I feel like I'm hearing that. Um cuz it's strong to me. I don't know. This is a very different sound here. There's some horns in here, but there was something about that that first um that first guitar riff that signaled that but now it's it's changed and now there's this this um more cinematic thing with the horns <laughs> epic orchestral uh that's what it sounds like to me right there <laughs> Almost a, there's almost a Star Wars sense in that to me. Hear that? I mean, that's a that's got a dulcimer kind of sound to it. Um, yeah, that's really. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, maybe harp, but it's got a little bit more of a ring to it. I'm loving the horns, Jordan. Imagine how this is going to sound live. It, oh, that gives me chills. Oh my gosh.
much. I'm, I am. This is already probably my favorite song on the record. Can't you guys just hear like echoes of um, like Harry Potter there? Um, and I know Jordan not long ago did sort of a cinematic uh, record, um, almost I think explicitly or expressly for licensing and the type for media use. And I, I feel like he's pulled some of that forward into this opening on this uh, The Crown and Glory. <laughs> sections where you're trying to count it if you're a musician you're trying to count it the fire that burns within us to carry out a dream chasing new ambitions determined to succeed to stretch beyond our limits to blaze the brand new trail bold enough to conquer James uh, laying on just a little bit of grit to give those uh, lyrics some emphasis. song already is like this invitation to uh, lyrically uh, to reach towards something. Um, and that's been, I feel like that's been a theme we've talked about a little bit on a couple of these tracks, um, you know, getting past the fear, um, being brave enough to fail, it says here. Uh, but that invitation, there's an optimism and an invitation to kind of move beyond our own um our own self-imposed limitations and that's a very dream theater um theme they've written like this before i love that they've returned to this idea And 
reward. So yeah, I mean, that's the reward. They're, they're, this course defines or describes some set of rewards for the willingness to take a risk, um, probably in the interest of your own hopes and dreams. Um, but I love that. Um, obviously, a view from the top of the world is a very expansive sort of idea. Um, but it, it, there's some other metaphors here. We'll keep going with the song, but I, I love the payoff. That's a very dream theater breakdown right there. Love what, love the sound on that bass, that bass guitar. Hear that? It's like a, it's a half step. So cool. My young man, your subtleties in the background are killing me. cool man these 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 verses here are describing these sort of preconditions to um delayed gratification you know reaching the top of the world but some of these things um are challenging um physical mental um you know insanity like the the being willing to risk uh i really love the themes on this and i know that the song is far more than that but it's a bias of mine because I'm also a writer to kind of look at what's going on um, with the narrative. Reaching for the summit on the threshold of defeat. I see right there you heard James the double. They brought the, the double forward um, just to give it some some emphasis. I love what I love what they're doing with that on this record. Right for me, joining the ranks of the also gives it some variance right it it um it doesn't it doesn't feel monotonous and i don't know if that's part of the intent or if that's just a consequence of you know decision making uh to arrive at this uh, mix approach but regardless it does one of the consequences is that it, it has this variance so that it doesn't feel monotonous not that it would but like your your ear could just be become attuned to oh okay well they're always going to mix, you know the the double or the harmony, uh, in this case the double down, um, but they don't. Sometimes they, it rises. 
So it reminds me of um, thematically of the great um, quote uh, about being in the arena. I'll find it. Maybe I'll read it later. But the, the, just you know, not to to take too far of a sidetrack. But the notion of um, whether you win or lose, uh, far less important or meaningful is the critic. And far more important is the person in the arena, regardless of the consequence of, you know, the journey. That's very much part of the heart of this tune. Um, and it's a really valuable idea uh, in today, today's day and age, um, I have to say, because it's so easy to be a critic now, right? With social media and all of it. And I don't want to get too high-minded about this, but um, it's so easy for people to tear down and... And so consequently, or, or as a result, it can be difficult for the, the, the person, anybody who's reaching for something, because um, it's easy for people to try and tear you down. I love the, the invitation here to put, you know, defy that in the interest of something you care about. section now called Rapture of the Deep, another uh, instrumental section. And this is very dream theater. This, this, the, the rhythms and the choices um, um, of the, uh, the instrumentation, um, you know, to give it sort of these, these, these rhythms going on. <laughs> that uh i don't know if that's his moog uh um or if that's just another um organ patch but that is just so killer jordan and yes i know some people call it moog Shades of a change of seasons.
I love what Jordan's doing there. The very, very um, soft melody that he's playing against the, the picking pattern that that John's got. Um, the movement of it is so subtle, and it's it's in the mix. It's back far enough that you almost have to listen for it a little bit. But it's um, really unique melodic choice there Jordan's made, and it's just gorgeous. <laughs> the other tinklies that he's adding. See, this is something I could hear more of in Dream Theater, is them resolving down to a patch that Jordan plays that is a string, a solo string. Um, I don't feel like they do that very often. And I, I know that Jordan's been doing some of this kind of stuff, even if it's just been in some of his Patreon. It's so gorgeous. I wonder if he's going to play this on Geo Shred have a feeling that this is he's going to play this on his iPad again i'm getting chills listening to this this again for me is quintessential dream theater um you know not to put too fine a point on it but their their name their band name a band name is a band name but in their case it, it's kind of apropos of the music in my view and this section typifies that um that side of them where i listen to it and i hear a longing i hear um almost like a, a nostalgic regret, but there's also this like feeling of moving forward. And um, I'm, I'm sure that this is just filtered through their experience and their musicianship. I, I don't think they consciously think this, um, but none of that really matters. What, at least for me, what, what what's so beautiful to me about hearing a passage like this is the way it makes me feel. That's how all music is. But with re respect to dream theater, um, this kind of a section is a, it exemplifies uh, this emotional landscape that they are able to tap for me. Um, and it's the reason I've always been a fan and will continue to be a fan um, it, because they always find a way to e evince these emotions. And they're doing it here in a different way than they have before. I mean, there's the soft picking pattern, which isn't new. There's a solo string, which is a little bit new. But the progression, there's a couple of places where I expected them to go someplace different with the next... Um, the next chord change, and they didn't, uh, and that ex um, they violated my expectations, which I love in music when I can't predict. Um, but beyond that, it's this resonance against um, feelings of 
um, acknowledging some sort of, you know, maybe um, um, regret uh, while simultaneously feeling commensurate, like with the challenge of that, such that I can move forward. I, I'm, I, I'm, I haven't dialed in how to speak about that exactly, but I think you know what I mean. Um, I suspect I'm far from the only person that feels this way. But this sec- this this section that they're coming into is um, really hitting the feels for me. to the progressions and my anticipation of where they'll go um they're doing different things and um again violating my expectations so i love it because i don't know how it's going to weave forward and then how the the vocal melodies come in on top of that to make sense of it for me it's just is just so magnificently done Uh, i can tell on this listen uh, as I, I think I mentioned before, that on subsequent listens, it's going to be so much richer um, because I'll begin to uh, have a better sense of where things are going to go. Um, but yeah, this 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 ability that, that they're exercising in this song to um, not make the obvious next choice is, you know, it's part of what makes them as good as they are, at least in my view. The beauty and the danger
this is the section called the driving force. But before we go on, that that passage right there um, is another example of how John uses his ability to actually write something that's musical. Um, uh, and this is not none of this is new to to fans, but I think it's worth calling attention to because um, it would have been so easy. And many guitarists, the choice they would have made would have either been to just blaze over it or to go super languid, um, which both of which could have been fine. John finds this um, this musical this set of musical shapes that that do both. He he runs up into notes when he needs to, and then pulls back when he needs to. Um, and I think this is instinctive in him by now, um, or maybe always was, but um, so beautifully written. Um, this is going to be one that, that will have lots of um, replay value. I don't know why I'm hearing 007, but <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. place where Jordan, um, I think it's it's in evidence that he is constructed the solo, um, it, which is his improvisational skills are always so magnificent. But this is one where it seemed like he he was very thoughtful in how he meant to you know drive melody against the the rhythm of the song. Uh, just amazing. <laughs> this trading back and forth, which is cool to hear and so much fun to watch live. When you hear the whole band, catching those figures like that so musically and and 
so sharp. Um, I mean, it's 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 just quintessential dream theater. Um, this is a this is a I guess kind of a tour de force, uh, as you'd expect. It's a lo- it's it's a another epically long tune, but um, these guys are just on fire with this, and it's different than their other epics. Um, I mean, there's there's shades of it here and there, but it's really uniquely different than their other really really long songs. And I, again, I don't know if that's conscious um, or if it's just uh, the evolution of who they are. But th- th- that's a good thing for me because it means that I won't feel like I have um, um, addressed myself to this music before, um, and that it's you know of a, of a sameness because it's not. It at least for me. And uh, again, this is a, a first reaction, but there's a there's a, a distinctiveness about this that I'm really digging. Ah, uh, there's Jordan with some cool, cool retro tune or uh, uh, sounds. section was all that same thing we talked about um uh, and i don't know if dream theater approaches this with the idea that they they mean for the lyrics to inspire people to uh, transcend their own feelings of um uh, of you know being limited um but again that it it hardly matters because the consequence of this is that exact feeling and it, it, it marries to the music so well. So um, I, I know that for Dream Theater, almost always the melodies and the lyrics follow the composition of the, of the instruments. Um, uh, so, it, it, you know, you might, you might argue that it's a reaction to that. And so it, it, it evinces um, a thematic approach, a lyrical approach that is consistent with the music. Um, and that's, that's probably how it goes. But regardless of any of that, um, and I don't know who the exact lyricist on, is on this one, but it's been a fairly consistent theme on this record um, to look past 
limitations, you know, have a higher view, be willing to risk in service of things you care about, as I mentioned before. And this this um, verse section after the driving force, it just it says that so plainly but so poetically. Hear that? Self-belief will build a life of legacy. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what we've been talking about. does this sometimes where where they choose to accent uh, inside time signatures that are also um, unique I mean or at least not standard uh, um, creates this like almost freeform feeling like you know the the music's not obeying any rules and that unpredictability is part of what I think many fans love about it and then of course after you listen to it a few times it starts to just make sense in your head from repeated listening but right now it's like I'm just, I'm just kind of processing all this sonic information that's coming with unique accents and I kind of love this sort of thing um, so they're hitting all my buttons on this one <laughs> Sounds like a Morse code or something, right? Some sort of uh, transmission in in uh, dots and lines. Well, there it is. Um, so I expected to love this album. Um, but I, I have enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that I feel like I hear them making musical choices to that pushes themselves. They're not, not always the same things that they've done in the past. 
the the sonic choices, the, the instrumentation choices across the album that that um, both borrow from the past, but uh, signal to the future some things that I don't think I hear them do very often, like the strings, uh, the solo string. I think it was a ch- uh, cello sound that Jordan chose. Um, the you know the the monster eight string tune, which was unpredictably musically composed, at least in my view. Um, and the fact that so much of it uh, melodically for what with what James did was not always predictable um, over over progressions that um, were challenging at times and um, um, also moved in steps that I I wouldn't have anticipated. I love this record for all of those things. Um, there's plenty of signature moments with John. Uh, with Petrucci's guitar, with wh- how he plays and what he plays. Um, yes, there's there's um, this this sonically that it sits for Labrie in in his sweet spot, um, but that's not a criticism. Um, what he does here is it feels to me like he's making choices for for uh, the way that the songs are written. Um, with with how the the um, vocal melodies should sort of play, and um, I know that that's a that's a a shared responsibility in the band, um, but it's a thoughtful one, and I think it makes se- all of the, those choices make sense. And I had plenty of moments of chills with how he delivered his vocal performance on this record, um, and it's going to be. It's going to be epically big. I mean, I can I can already sense that when this is played live, the sort of largesse that it's going to um, come across with. Um, my young, as I said before, um, he is such a powerful, silent driving force in this in this music, and um, I, I, he just can't give him enough credit. There's some really sort of um, standout moments where you're really hearing. Um, hearing the bass, but a lot of it is he is so locked in with what the the guys are doing, just to give it that punch. Um, and uh, so many of the places where the drums, they're just the way that they the, their tone was so cool. So uh, you know, mo- multiple listens will help me kind of factor how I think about this record. I really don't have Dream Theater records that aren't um, favorites. Um, so I'm one of those fans, and, but it's, it goes back to something you've heard me talk about before, which is, um, for me, when you become a fan of a band, you're, you, you kind of are along for the artistic ride of who they are with the various incarnations of them with players and with albums and periods. Um, most of the bands I attach to, I, I enjoy every sort of movement of the group. And this does feel to me like an evolution with some new things. Now, some some fans will probably find that um, different periods of the bands or different records are more more of their favorite than others. But there's so much to commend this, um, o- if only on the strength of things that they're trying to do that's new. Um, so, you know, my view is that this is uh, an amazing effort in their 15, 15th studio album um, to have them doing so many things that are new uh, after this much time is such a credit to who they are as people and musicians. Um, 
So I, I, I'm actually going to, as soon as I finish this, I'm going to go back and listen to the whole record again. Um, just start to hear the things that I always do with Dream Theater that are deeper inside the mix and inside the compositions than I was able to hear the first time. Um, I hope this was fun and instructive. Not instructive. I hope this was fun for people. Um, uh, I'm sure I made plenty of blunders in how um, I thought about certain inter inter interval changes and things like that. But the, um, what I really wanted to do was kind of have a first listening experience to a new Dream Theater record that I kind of captured. Um, and part of this is so that I can see, like, if my appreciation of the music matures as I come to understand it better and have a, internalize it more. Um, but to the guys, uh, you know, not that they'll ever watch this, but to, to my friends, uh, John, John, James, Mike, and Jordan, this was... Uh, this is an amazing effort. Um, so much to be proud of here. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys on the road when you get back out on the road. Um, and until then, uh, my best to you and, and to everybody who uh, uh, watches my show, Breaking Absolutes. Um, please subscribe or follow um, just so that I can continue to, to uh, come to you with guests um, and we can continue to talk about this music that we love. All right, everybody, take care.